This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. This podcast is produced and managed by Kangaroo Fern Media Lab, Australia's independent video and podcast company. We do the podcasting hard bits so you don't have to. We make podcasts easy. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com. www.kangaroofern.com. A Gorilla Podcast Syndicate Production. Biggest thing we can do is just get stopped and run. Stopped and run, guys. Push, push, push every time. Extra, extra, extra session with Kiko Malikdem tackles everything about the world of sports, especially the one close to the host heart, basketball. Updates, discussion, clarification, name it. Extra session has it. Extra, extra, extra session with Kiko Malikdem. Okay, good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Extra Session with Kiko Malikdem here in Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate, Philippines. Today is episode 9 and we are very lucky to have with us one of the efficient reinforcements during the 1990s, we played for Pepsi Mega, Formula Shell, and the Pure Foods franchise, and was dubbed as Mr. Triple Double. And note, he is the only import other than the great Bobby Parks to win the Best Import Award more than once in the said decade. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, Mr. Ken Redfield. <laughs> Thanks for having me. <laughs> so, Ken... Good day. So it's been a while since we heard something from you. Uh, just, just like your play, you've been quiet but efficient. What's keeping you busy nowadays? Uh, the kids and family, uh, travel baseball, travel basketball. I have a mm-hmm. 13U and a 9U basketball team. Mm-hmm. And my 9-year-old plays on the uh, travel baseball team. So I'm traveling a lot with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, just working, you know, trying to coach the younger kids, get up to some Michigan State basketball games, football games, you know, just living life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you first played in the Philippines, correct me if I'm wrong, 1992-93, and quickly established yourself as one of the best imports. What made you decide to come to the BBA, especially that you have an impressive basketball resume? You could have played in other countries. Well, I'd heard the Philippines was a good league. It, it kind of mirrored the NBA, so all of the rules were pretty much the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of great American players and, and, and foreign players played in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. Um, so we knew about it. Um, I knew about it before going over, you know, that I had to bring my A game because the players in the Philippines, they, you know, a lot of, a lot of the country slept on the, the Philippine players. Mm-hmm. And... You know, it was it was a great league. I knew it going in, so I had to bring my A game. So, you know, the reason why I went was to get into conditioning to try to get, 
you know, another shot at the NBA. Uh, the, the, the months in which the PBA was going on was perfect for me. Uh, but once I got, you know, once I landed and, and got my feet wet and everything, I just wanted to keep coming back. I said, and uh, I see. So you were known as a defensive player in, during your time in MSU, in Michigan State. Now, Correct. the PBA, you were this all-around guy. What was the adjustment you made when you came aboard? Um, I don't think it was a big adjustment for me. Those were the things that I could do. But for what Michigan State needed and for us to be successful, I had to be the leader on the defensive side of the ball. Um, I could always score. You know, I can always pass, those type of things. But they weren't as needed because I had a superstar on my, on my team, Steve Smith, as everybody knows. Yeah. So the offensive burden wasn't on my shoulders. So I had to pick up on a defensive end. And, it, you know, it worked out for us. You know, like I said, you know, I had to sacrifice my offense in order for us to win. What was your fondest memory of the PBA? Oh man, we you need we need a grocery list for that. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, people ask me to this day, you know, what was the the best country and your most favorite country to play in? The first country I say is the Philippines. I mean, we as Americans, you know, you know, we're treated. We, you go to a Division One college here in in the states, you're known. You make it to the NBA, you're known unless you're a superstar. You're just an average player. But in the PBA, you know, you're a rock star. Once you get off the plane, you know, you have fans already greeting you at the airport. You know, we couldn't go out that much. We went to the Mega Mall. You know, we had a, a big crowd around us. You know, we were treated like celebrities. And, you know, for any athlete, you know, for their ego, that's great. You know, that, and as far as memories, I, you know, my biggest memories are, you know, playing with all the players that I played with and playing against the players that, that, that I played with, you know, the Alan K. Dicks, the, the Abbott Kings, the older guys, you know, the Alvin Patrimonials, the Jerry Cordineras, you know, Benji Perez, Monsano, you know, uh, Alvarentos, all these guys, you know, it was Jojo Lastimos. I can keep going, Sam Boy Lim. I can name every player that I played against or played with, you know, and it was a great experience because they welcomed me. You know, a lot of times the Americans would come over, the import would come over, and they couldn't mesh with the with the Filipino players. Mm -hmm. You know, but I was able to do that right off the plane. You know, I was they were all great teammates to me, and I tried to be a great teammate to them. So as far as memories, you know, for me, the biggest honor, okay, I was the best import a couple of times. I won a championship or two, whatever. But the biggest accomplishments for me was to befriend a lot of the Filipino players, to be able to go to their house for dinners and spend the night, and go into the provinces and, and, and play cards with my shirt off, you know, those type of things, you know. <laughs> so I had great memories, man. Uh, you know, their imports are usually on the spotlight. And uh, – there are some imports that, you know, are controversial. Uh, but with you, you're, you're more of a laid-back type, and then you weren't, you weren't involved in any controversy. How were you able to do it back then? <laughs> it was tough, but you know what? You know, the coaching staff, you know, I played for two head coaches all the time that mm -hmm. I was there. You know, and they were great coaches for me. Um, the players that I played with, the culture that was with those teams, the Santa Lucia, the Shells, the Pepsis, the Pure Foods, you know, just the culture around around the team, mm -hmm. you know, kept me out of trouble. You know what I mean? So I had other things to do other than just go out all the time. I got out. I'm not going to lie. I got out a little bit. But <laughs> for the most part, it was kind of a family type of atmosphere for us. And, you know, that – 
that, you know, helped my family adjust to the Philippines and everything. And I just kind of embraced the culture, man. And, you know, I've seen a lot of things in my life, you know, <laughs> so some of those things I knew how to stay away from, you know. I see. Now you had... <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> <laughs> you had several stints in the PBA. And uh, like what I said, uh, two of them with you leading your team to the finals. And it's kind of weird because we were accustomed to seeing imports uh, scoring big. But w with you, you were not looking to score that much. What was the formula for you to become a successful reinforcement in the league? I learned right away mm -hmm. that the heat in the Philippines was nothing nice, number one. <laughs> so conditioning was very, very important. Yes. So what I tried to do in every game was make sure my teammates got involved early and I got them the ball as much as possible to help them get along. And the last four or five minutes of the game, I was still fresh enough to close it out. Yeah. That was my formula for four years, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, re I remember that, uh, especially when you won the championship with Pure Foods. Uh -huh. You were not scoring in the first three quarters, but in the last quarter – Man, he was hitting his three-point shots right here and then, you know, against Alaska, if I'm not mistaken. Right. But I guess that was game five or game four or five. Right, like yeah. That, yeah, yeah. Man, that, so that, that's your formula of success, you know. You, you try to pace yourself. Right, pace myself. And, you know, and I was blessed to have good teammates, you know, mm -hmm. some, some very, very good players in the PBA. You know, the Alvin Patrimonios, the Benji Barras, and, and so forth, you know. I knew that they can score. They could score whenever they wanted to score. So I wanted to make sure they were involved early in the game, yeah. you know, to kind of get us through the first three quarters and then try to take the game over down the stretch. Because if you ever noticed, a lot of the Americans or, or the imports that would come in, they would try to go full blast from the, for the first three quarters and you couldn't find them in the fourth quarter because they were tired. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was your biggest disappointment playing in the PBA? My biggest disappointment was not winning the championship for Ronnie Monsanto and for Benji. Uh, mm -hmm. We made it to the finals against Alaska. We lost in seven games. We should have won. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I really wanted to win that one. And, uh, you know, like for them, I really wanted to win a championship for them and for the coach. I see. Uh, but, but that was a memorable one because every time you try to look for Kenny, Ken Redfield on, in Google, the first thing that, you know, that appears is that, Game-winning three-point heave in the semifinals against you never. Oh, against you never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. was that was you know something that um, you know people would still remember, especially for Hinebra fans. You know. Yes. Yes. It's something like this, you know, as you can see on the screen right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that on the lower left. That was uh, you know. Uh, when you made the three-point shot. And then, yeah. Of course, you yeah, a lot of people were upset about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they, they, were, they were actually eyeing for an Hinebra Alaska finals, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah we spoiled that party. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you had, you had a son who's playing basketball right now. Well, by the way, yes. to him, I got in touch with you. Uh, you saw how the game evolved from time you played to the present. What mm -hmm. was the difference between the game before and now? 
I think the physicality of the game, you know, you can't really touch people as, as you know, like you could in the, back in the day. You know, that was one of the things that the Philippines was known for. You go to the basket, you know, <laughs> it might, it may be a problem. You may need some ice or, you know, a band-aid or something, you know. Yeah. But now that the game has evolved and it's more a perimeter game, you know, you can't be more physical as you used to be. That's probably the biggest change. I think it makes the game more exciting. But it also takes away from, you know, people playing hard-nosed defenses and those type of things, you know. What, what do you advise your son? Uh, if, I mean, he's playing basketball. What do you advise mm -hmm. him to, you know, to be successful like you? To like, be a leader. Be mm -hmm. a leader, number one. Mm -hmm. And first of all, start on the defensive end. He's a great defender. Mm -hmm. um, he's, he's a better offensive player than I am, actually. Mm -hmm. At this point, you know, I'm just telling him things, you know, on how to to get your teammates involved more so than yourself. Because what happens is the more your team wins, the more notoriety everybody will get. So he's kind of bought into that. Um, he's he's he was uh, his defensive, the defensive player of the year three times in a row at his school. Um, he's going into his senior year now. Uh, I think he's got an opportunity to play somewhere. After college, I'm hoping it's the Philippines. Yes, would but, you uh, would you recommend him? <laughs> I definitely would. You know, that was our goal was to try to come over this summer mm -hmm. before all this pandemic stuff hit, and ah. just come over this, this summer to the Philippines and let them see him a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, and then finish up his senior year and then come over after. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, you could. I mean, are you still in touch with your former teammates or coaches? Not really, per se, just on the social media type of deal. But mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm planning to do all of that soon, get back in touch with everybody. Yeah, especially with Alvin Patrimonio. He's the manager of Pure Foods right now. So maybe, oh, is he? Yes. So he's still with the Pure Foods franchise ever since. <laughs> so you make sure you tap him on his shoulder and give him my information. <laughs> yes, sure. No problem with that. You know, he's, he's, he's actually accommodating Uh, one of the best, not nice guys in the league, you know, especially he gives something to, I mean, he gives time to his fans. That's yes, yes, he does. Yes. I'm, I'm going to tell, tell you a quick story about Alvin. Yes. So, so <laughs> after the first game we had, so I'm getting dressed after we, you know, got ready to come out of the locker room, and mm -hmm. he's the last one with me. He was always, we were the last two to always leave the locker room. <laughs> And we were supposed to go have dinner. This is when I first got with Pure Food. So we were supposed to have dinner. It took an hour and a half for him to sign every autograph that someone asked him for. He never said no to anyone. He's the, he's the I'm going to tell you, he, I took a lot from him. You know, being in the States, we get kind of spoiled and selfish a little bit, you know, with all the accolades and all that stuff coming our way. But he showed me as a professional how to treat your fans. I mean, it, it, was, it was something to see, man. Yes, that's good. Now, that's good to hear, you know. Who do you, yeah. who do you consider your biggest adversary in the PBA? You know, when you, once you arrive in the PBA, I mean, with this certain team or person that you would consider as a friendly rival? It would have had to be Alaska because we've always met them in the playoffs and, and those type of things. And, you know, in my opinion, Alaska's organization and Pure Foods organization kind of mirror each other. Mm -hmm. You know, it's kind of the class. To me, it was kind of the class of the PBA as far as the players that they had on the team, 
the, the coaching and the uh, management. It was kind of like the same thing, you know. And I think they were probably our biggest rival. I see. And I didn't like any of the other teams either, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, was there a PBA player that, you know, that made you say wow when you, when you saw him play? Yeah, Mr. Bobby Parks. Wow. Uh, you know, he was he was uh he was that he was that guy on the podium. He was the he was the standard for the imports. You know, he was you know, it was Norman Black than him. You know, it it the thing about uh playing in the States, when you go to the Philippines, the thing was is if you can last there, first of all, an entire season, you've done something. And if they ask you back, that means you're really doing something. And for him to be there year in and year out. He and Sean Chambers, you know, that's that, those are big accomplishments, man. I see. Now, our friend, Coach Chris De La Cruz from Press One, that PH, I, I told him uh, earlier that I'll be talking to Ken Redfield. And he said, Ken Redfield, wow, that's, that's something. Because, you know, you've been, you know, I mean, nothing has been heard from you ever since. So... He, he asked me to ask this question for you. Can you cite the differences of the chara characters of the coaches you played for in the PBA? Um, I played for, you know, Chuck Reyes, of course. Yes. And Cheeto. I played for those two. You know, they were with me um, from Pepsi on. Reyes was, was a young coach. That was his first opportunity and everything. So we kind of grew together. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then when I went to Santa Lucia and Shell, you know, he was my assistant coach. Mm -hmm. You know? So I play, only played for two coaches. Mm -hmm. And um, like I said, they were high-character guys. And they held me accountable. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They brought me in and said, hey, you're the leader of this team, along with whether it was Alvin, whether it was Benji, you know, whoever it was, Vic Pablo, uh, June Limport, you know, these are big names in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. And I played side by side with them. So, you know, it was they were high character guys and held me accountable, you know. Mm -hmm. And what was the difference between your stint in the in, in Pure Foods and in Shell? Because you, you were known for this, you know, for these two teams, aside from Santa Lucia and Pepsi, but of course right. you when you say Ken Redfield, especially one best imports in Pure Foods and Shell, what was the difference between these two squads? Um, I think with Pure Foods, we had a younger team. Mm -hmm. um, but with uh, Shell, we had an older team. A lot of the players were a little bit older and mature, established, and things like that. So I think the Pure Foods team was a little bit hungrier. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? To win a championship. I think, you know, with the success of Benji and Ronnie and the guys we had on that team, mm -hmm. they had already won. You know, they were known celebrities and, and so forth. So, and they had, you know, they were doing movies and things like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was kind of like that Bulls team with, with, with Rodman type of deal. You know, it was, it was a rock star type of deal. But with, with Pure Fools, it was more grinded out. We got to come to work with our lunch pail and our hard hats every day in order to get to where we need to be. With Shell, it was kind of, we knew we were going to get there somehow, some way. You know, we were just waiting on everybody to figure out when they wanted to get going. Mm -hmm. I see. So I, I, I did check on the some backgrounds here. So basically you started playing in the PBA in 1993, 
for mm-hmm. the commissioners or uh, govern, governor's cup, uh, governor's cup right. Pepsi mm-hmm. Mecca. And then you came back in 1994 for Pure Foods. And then mm-hmm. also in 1995 for Pure Foods. And then 1996, again, for that's for the Shell. 1997 for Santa Lucia and 1998 for Pure Foods. Man, that's almost five years of... Great years, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah I would do... Uh, I would do um, I would do the Philippines in the summer, and then go to Europe in the you know for the fall and winter, and come right back to the Philippines. I I played five straight years year round. Yes, you know. And what was you know uh, what was the incident that made you decide, uh, hey, I have to retire, something like that. When did you retire? My son- <laughs> My, my 2000, I think it was 2001, I re- ended up retiring a few years mm-hmm. after the Philippines. I went to, down to Brazil. Um, my wife was actually pregnant at the time with my uh, oldest son, with KJ, in the Philippines. Okay. And so when we got back, I had my son, and I said once he started first grade that I would stop playing basketball. Mm-hmm. So about 2001, 2002, I retired. My last place I played was down in Brazil. I see. Was it hard? Because, of course, all throughout your life, you were playing basketball. And then uh, I believe you were still at your peak or you can still play basketball. You still, you still have some juice right. left. And then all of a sudden you decide to quit. Was it hard? It, the decision wasn't hard. But once I made the decision, you know, a few months after that, I got kind of antsy to play again. Mm-hmm. So the quick story on that is, is I retired. I took a management position with uh, Airborne Express and a month into my, you know, starting my career working, I got a call from Brazil. <laughs> so I went back to Brazil. I just left my job and went back. But then when I got down there and you know, after a couple of months of being there, I really felt like, you know, this was the time to go ahead and retire. I see. And uh, in the PBA, you wore jersey number three or 35. Uh, mm-hmm care to share the story behind those numbers because I, I'm sure you were 33 but then suddenly there was a, there was one one uh, one conference where you wore 35 what was the story on that well 35 was a, what, <laughs> 35 wasn't a number that I chose it was a number that was given to me because I was a young peon coming into the PBA <laughs> so Pepsi just gave me a jersey and said here go out and play um, <laughs> You know, once I got established, I liked the number three, um, just to take away the five. I just always liked number three anyway, you know, Allen Iverson fan, you know, that type of thing. But I really wanted 32. 32 was always taken with, you know, with established players in the PBA. So I just stuck with number three. I see. And then uh, what advice can you give to someone who would want to be a basketball player like you? Um, you have to, you got to put the work in, you know, like I tell my kids now, you know, my, my basketball kids, my own kids, I tell them, you know, you got, everybody looks at TV and ooh and ah over the Jordans, the Kobe's, the the Steph Curry's, you know, all these players. But what you're not looking at is the work that they put in to be great. You know, you have to put the work in like anything else, you know, and I try to teach them life lessons as well mirrored with basketball or baseball, whatever sport they're playing. You know, it's like, you know, if you have a job and you show up late to your job a couple of times, what's going to happen? You're going to get fired. 
Same thing with basketball, football, baseball. You can't make it to practice on time. You're not going to start, and you may not be on the team. You know, if, if, if a coach tells you to do something, hey, run this play, and you go out and run something totally different, you're going to be sitting on the bench. Same thing in life. If you got a project to do at work and you don't do it, something's going to happen, you know. So I try to teach them life lessons along with, with the sport. Now, have you – you said you, you're teaching life lessons along the way. Uh You've tried also coaching. Um, yeah. Well, not on the college or high school level. I, I just, you know, I prefer to teach them when they first get into sports because, you know, we see a lot in the U.S. that a lot of a lot of parents want to coach because their kid is playing on the team type of deal, you know, but they've never had the experiences that a lot of real players have had. Mm -hmm. So I want to catch the kids early enough you know, to let them know this is how things are should be done on correctly. You know, you first of all, you have to be a good teammate. I don't care who the coach is, if it's your dad, your uncle, your friend, your friend's cousin, whoever, you know, you have to be a good teammate first. You know, so I try to teach the things from the ground up. And I think the best group to teach that to are, you know, from nine years old on up to probably, you know, 13, 14 years. Now, who was your favorite teammate? Going back to the PBA, for example, were you close to some of the players in Pepsi uh, and then Santa Lucia, Shell, and Pure Foods? Who were you close to to those teams back then? <laughs> All of them, but the closest probably was Alvin with Pure Foods. Um, probably Benji, and I think Vic, Vic Pablo was on that team too with me. I was close with him because he was with me with uh, Pure Foods. Um, June Limport, I was cool with, and Jerry Cordonaire, I was cool with. Um, all of my teammates, really. You know, um, Eugene Kilbon, you know, I'm his son's godfather. Oh, you know, so, yeah, yeah. You know, so I, a lot of the players, man, I was, you know, like I said, the reason I had success on the court with my teammates is because we were cool off the court. I think that's very, very important. You know, they got to know me and my family. I got to know them and their families and stuff like that. And what happens is, is that, you know, when you get on a basketball court, you're willing to fight for each other. You know what I mean? You're willing to give your all for that person because, you know, they're part of your life. I see. Now, uh, I have some questions here, you know. Uh, just say something that is on top of your head when I ask these questions, okay? So not not to put you into hot seat, but of course, uh, the first thing that reminds <laughs> you of, okay? So who's your favorite PBA player? Sam Boy Lynn. Favorite NBA player? Magic Johnson. Fa well, <laughs> that's why you're Mr. You Double. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And uh, favorite team NBA growing up? Uh, it would have had to have been the Lakers and then switch to the Bulls because I'm from Chicago, but I was a little older then. <laughs> who do you, but it was the Lakers. Who do you think will win the NBA this season? The Lakers. Player in the PBA that you had a hard time defending? Defending? Yes. Oh, it was quite a few. Yeah. <laughs> I, would probably say, I would probably say Alan K. Dick. 
you know, he, he got a lot of calls. <laughs> Especially with the, the way he shoots. Yeah, and kick, his, and kick his leg out. <laughs> <laughs> you have no choice, but you have, I mean, you will hit him by any, by any time yeah. <laughs> when he takes the shot. Yeah. Uh, a player in the PBA that you had a hard time eluding the defense. Oof. <laughs> that would that would have been uh, the Swift defense. They played a good. That was a time they were called Swift. So I guess it would have been Alaska Swift. They 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 had a design for me, you oh, know. The Yang oh, Yang yeah. Tim Cohn. <laughs> yeah, Tim Cohn had a design for me, and he knew. He told me too. <laughs> Tim Cohn actually. Did. Yeah, he told me. Tim yeah, Cohn was, was was able to coach Purefoots, and then, was he? Yes, and he won a Grand Slam in Purefoots also. <laughs> Wow. Wow. So really? until until now he's coaching, but now he's now coaching Ginebra. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> Along with well, Norman Black is still coaching right now. I am sure you're still familiar with him. Yeah. Is he still with San Miguel or oh no, he's with Meralco already. Okay. And then you said earlier Chotreyes. Chotreyes was the was the the coach that led the Philippines back to the FIBA World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that. I yeah. saw him on the sidelines. <laughs> what was your reaction in that, by the way? I, I pointed to the TV because my son and I, were, my oldest son and I, were, I was like, he used to be my coach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was nice to see. It was nice to see. <laughs> yeah, so, so basically you have followed somehow the Philippines. Oh, yeah. oh you know, yeah. If by chance you were asked, by what would the country need to succeed in the world stage? What would you advise? It's hard to say, mm -hmm. but I mean, I think they're right. I think the Philippine players are right there because, like I say, from from the time that I played there, even before, you know, you try to mirror everything after the, the Americans and the the NBA. I think that the the gap is actually closing globally. Mm -hmm. You know, I think it's just situational now. Just continue to have the the players, you know, go to camps in the U.S. or bring bring players to the Philippines for camps and things like that, and it just the, it's just the experience of it. That's all. I don't think – I think back in the day, it was more of a starstruck type of thing. Mm -hmm. Or we're playing against France or we're playing against, you know, wherever. I think now because a lot of Americans come over to the Philippines and do a lot of things, a lot of philams and things like that, I think the gap's closed. And it's just a matter of time. Now, uh, I'm not now, – now, this is kind of hot topic in the Philippines right now. Uh, for example, would you recommend a foreign coach to head the Philippine team or would a Filipino coach be okay already? Chot Reyes. Just Chot Reyes. <laughs> Seriously, period. Yeah. I think he has the temperament with the Filipino, Filipino players and if they were to have some import players along that, along that line, he can do it. If anybody can do it, he can do it. Okay, so it means you have to unretire Chaudhry's and go back <laughs> and let him back yeah. to the or or at least or at least have him on the staff. I, see. I think he understands global basketball really well. I see. And then the what was the worst injury you had? My back. Um, I think I was I was playing with uh, Pure Foods and um, I couldn't finish the season. That was the first time I got hurt. I, I think that was your last year. 
playing. Yep. Yep. Where, where there no, I came back. I, I think I came back after that. I see. What, I think I came back. Okay. So in, in around 1999, when was, I mean, what was, were there any other teams that tried to recruit you back to play in the PBA? No, I don't think so. I think that was, that was the end of it. I think they knew that I wasn't trying to bounce around to different organizations and different teams. I just, that just isn't my style. You know, I like to play, I, you know, I, of course I wanted to play in these type of things, but you know, I, I, I fell in love with my coaches and, 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 and the players that I played with. I didn't want to go to any other new organizations and start over. I see. And then, um, uh... The, another question is, uh, I'm pretty sure that you would answer this. Uh, if you were to choose, would you rather be a good defender or a good scorer? A good defender. Okay. Def the defense travels. You know what I mean? You can always play defense. You can win a game playing defense. I see. You know, if I can score, if I can score a little bit, if the game's 21 and I hold you to 20, I win, right? Yeah. But that's the mentality of a defender. Yeah, you know, some some yeah, some people think if you can just score thirty points, you'll win the game. But if you're giving up thirty-two and you're only scoring thirty, you're not winning. <laughs> I can still remember uh, games before. Uh, in the fourth quarter, you you have only scored ten points, but then when we look at the scoreboard, man, Kent's team is winning. <laughs> How could that be? <laughs> <laughs> And that's that, because I, you know, that's because I try to keep my teammates involved. Yes. Know? And what was your reaction when the people, you know, uh, dubbed you as Mr. Triple Double? I thought it was a great honor. You know, like I said, my favorite player of all time is Magic Johnson. And that's what he was known for. It was nice, you know, nice to get dubbed a, a nickname because everybody doesn't get one when they come to the Philippines. You know, the black <laughs> Superman and, you know, those type of you know, that was nice. It was nice. What was your family's reaction uh, when they saw that you, you had this uh, reputation as uh, one of the best players or reinforcements in the PBA? Oh, you know, especially American players, once they stepped off the plane, they couldn't wait to play me because, <laughs> you know, I was that standard. You know, they, they, they probably thought they were better than me or whatever, and they may have been. <laughs> But like I said, my main thing was to use my teammates around me in order for all of us to be good, you know. And the problem that you saw, you know it, and to this day, you know, the, the, the imports come in and they try to get 50 points a night, you know, but are they winning? I see. Now, if we were to check your gym bag when you were still playing, what things are we going to see that will shock or surprise us? Uh, Tiger Bomb. <laughs> because of the muscles muscle pain oh yeah yeah i had that i had a case of that <laughs> that's well, about it you know i had and i had some favorite shorts that i always wore under my i have some michigan state shorts that i always wore under my under my under my uniform you know so you you had some rituals you know yeah oh yeah <laughs> Care to share <laughs> you, you have any message to your, um, uh, I'm sure there are a lot of uh, PBA fans, especially Pure Foods and Shell fans, who, you know, who, who still remembers you up to this date because of your performance. Uh, a quiet player, but very effective and or efficient. 
efficient one? Do you have any message for them? Just thank you, and thank you, Salamic Pope. <laughs> thank you for all of the support. You know, until this day, you know, I may be somewhere. It might be a sporting event or something like that. And someone will walk up to me and be like, hey, Ken, you're, you're, you're Mr. Triple Double, Kenny Redfield, or, you know, something like that. Or I may hear someone speaking Tagalo, and I'll say, hey, you're from the Philippines. And they'll say, yeah. I say, yeah, I played in the PBA. You know, I was proud of that. You know, and I'm still proud of that to this day. I think, you know, to the fans, you know, I really, really, I mean, me, my family, we truly appreciate all the support, the fanfare, you know, all of that through the good and bad, you know, because a lot of times, you know, fans will turn on you if you're not winning or if things don't go your way. But the fans that were behind me and my teammates, they stayed behind us through thick and thin. And I truly, truly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart. Okay. Um, Kenny, this is a great privilege for us, especially that, you know, uh, it's been a long while since the Philippines have heard from you. And it's great, you know, talking to you, reaching out to you, you know, sharing your memories with, you know, with, with, your, with the PBA. Uh, this has been a great privilege for me to have this chance to interview you. And, uh, I appreciate it. I hope we can do this next time soon. Well, you have my information. You can reach me anytime. Sure, no problem. To do it. And I, I thank you for you know for answering, for answering that. Uh, I mean, my my request, and also you know give my shout out to your son. You know for 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 having <laughs> the time to answer my request also. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. You know, like I say, I really appreciate it. It's an honor, man. Anything you ever need or want to talk, just reach out to me. No problem. Thank you so much. So, guys, that wraps up episode number nine of Extra Session this week. I would like to thank our guest, Mr. Ken Redfield. Thank you for spending time with us. It was a group, like what I said, it was indeed a great honor, privilege for us to have you in our podcast. And, of course, uh, like what I said, keep safe and uh, take care. Run. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, so ladies and gentlemen, this has been Kiko Maligdem and in behalf of the Gorilla Podcast Syndicate, games are always exciting if there is extra session. A Gorilla Podcast Syndicate production. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode is posted in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS. While you're at it, If you found value in this show, rate and review this podcast and share it with your friends. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us. And if you want to know more, check out www.guerillapodcast.com.au or guerillapodcast.com.ph. A Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate Production.
We are Independent Podcast Network. We are Guerrilla Podcast Syndicate. Would you like to hear your brand while supporting quality podcasts? Contact us now at advertise at guerrillapodcastsyndicate.com. Are you ready to finally start your own podcast? Maybe you already have one, but need a podcast manager to help you level up. We're here for either. Book a call at www.kangaroofern.com www.kangaroofern.com